Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. Welcome to Beer Me on Full Service Radio, broadcasting live from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Sarah Jane. During my time in culinary school, I gained an appreciation for good beer. I continued my studies in beer at grad school at NYU. Since then, I have been a beer director, beer bar general manager, and I get to continue to explore the beer world with all of you wonderful listeners. Every week, I will have a guest on the show to discuss different parts of the beer world, from brewers, importers, educators. This will allow us to examine the dynamic world of beer through different lenses. So whether you're new to beer or a seasoned professional, we will have something for you. So today on the show, I'm ecstatic. I'm so excited that you're here in D.C. I'm welcoming Bart Watson. He is the chief economist for the Brewers Association on the show. Wonderful. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. How long have you been in D.C.? Um, got in on Monday. Okay. So today is Wednesday now. You lose track of the days real quick. Yeah. Um, and here through Saturday morning because we're doing our event um, at the National Building Museum on Friday, Saver. Yes. Uh, Saver is very near and dear to my heart. Um, I think it's a really important event that you guys do. Um let me paraphrase it. Uh, basically, you have, what, 80 different brewers or 60 different brewers? They bring two different beers, and those beers are then paired with different bites. But the thing I love about this event is you're promoting beer in a very sophisticated way. It's in the National Building Museum. It's this beautiful space. People tend to dress up a little bit. And you're promoting beer through food. Um, and I think that that's such a such like a, a beautiful sentiment. I get that? I get yeah, that right? yeah. Savor, I mean, it's really a unique event. It's it's a beer festival, but it's not like any beer festival you've ever been to. Um, you know, people are not wearing their brewery Pretzel t-shirts. Necklaces. Exactly. Yeah. They're, yeah. you know, they're dressing to the nines. And, you know, the idea of that event has always been to elevate mm-hmm. beer, elevate the beer and food experience, and really show people what beer can do when paired with amazing food, which our executive chef, Adam Dooley, does so, so well. Yeah, and he's been on the show before, and he actually... He, put out a really awesome book, The Beer Pantry, that walks you through some more, you know, beer and food pairings really, really nicely. So, well, welcome to D.C. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, So, you are the chief economist for the Brewers Association. What does that mean to somebody who doesn't know what that means? Well, first, it's probably the greatest job in the world, so I'm super excited to be the chief economist for the Brewers Association. Uh, The Brewers Association is the national not-for-profit trade association that represents America's small and independent craft brewers. And you know, in our work, which is to promote and protect those brewers, uh, we use numbers a lot. And so my role is to track the industry, to quantify the industry, to help tell our members what's going on in the marketplace, but also tell their story. So when we're here in D.C., we're going to be sharing numbers about the economic impact that breweries make, the number of jobs they create, those sorts of things. And my role at the BA is to, to help quantify those and, and, you know, tell our brewers story as well as help them run their businesses. All right. So you have, you have your work cut out for you. Yeah. You know, it's, it's certainly, you know, all encompassing and, you know, I'm, I'm an arm, army of one over at the BA when, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I get to be chief economist, but there are no other economists to be chief of. Um, so it's a lot of varied work, a lot of different things. You know, I'm, I'm constantly getting just different data requests from members. So really fun and varied day to day. So how do you 
get some of your data, what are, what are some tools that you're using? We have a variety of ways that we're getting data. The first is from the members themselves. We mm-hmm. do a, a big annual survey, the Beer Industry Production Survey. We've been doing it since the early 80s. Uh, we send out a, a form to every brewery in the country and try to get their information and track it down. So that's one method. We also survey them on all sorts of brewery benchmarks and other things. Um, we also buy data. So we work with data partners, um, IRI group who does scan data, Nielsen who you know does market data as well as consumer information data. Uh, we get a lot of data from state sources um, or government sources since beer is a very regulated industry. So you can get a lot of permit data or production mm-hmm. data from a lot of states. Um, you know, there's some other ones too, but my job is to kind of sift through all the data that's out there and, and really try to break it down and make it manageable for our members. And and then, you know, tell them what I think they need to know. Hopefully, that's what they actually do need to know and um, and parse that data down to something that's useful. So, and every year you do a state of the industry at Craft Brewers Conference. This year that was in Denver, Colorado. Um, you guys did a great job. Thank you. <laughs> great presentation. Um, but can you kind of break down some of that information? I know I'm putting you on the spot here. You don't have a lot of slides or anything like that. But what was what was kind of the general was the gist that's that's really the distillation of all of that information gathering mm-hmm. you know we try to take it down and and paul gatza um and i do 25 minutes on really what's going on with craft so uh we run through lots of things what's mm-hmm. the growth rate so craft grew four percent by volume last year and seven percent in dollar sales how many breweries are opening how many are closing we counted 1049 openings last year and 219 closings um and you know try to put this all together and tell a cohesive story so you know if i was to sum up that presentation it's it's a great time to be a beer lover in the U.S. Craft mm-hmm. as a category is probably as healthy as it's ever been. And at the same time, it's really, really competitive out there. Um, and so for individual businesses, they're seeing a very competitive marketplace. Um, and there are a lot of business challenges that they face because we have a thousand breweries opening a year. The per brewer growth rate's going down. There's more breweries than we've ever had in the United States. So Things are great. Craft now is double-digit share um, in both volume and dollar sales, but it's hard to be an individual brewery in a market where there's so many other competitors. So, because of that competition, you know, this is something that I have stressed: is that you know there are a lot of breweries that kind of have to up their game. It's not good enough just to have good beer because there's so much good beer. Amen. You know, when there are more and more competitors in any space, Mm -hmm. you know, the the buzzword I always use is differentiate. You got to figure out some way you're going to stand out and, you know, look at D.C. I mean, we've got lots of great breweries here in D.C. um, And if you're doing the same thing as all the rest of those breweries, why is somebody going to go to you over one of the other ones? So are you making better beer? Are you making different types of beer? Are you pairing it with food in a different way? Is your service model different? You know, how are you going to up your game on, you know, one of those dimensions or all of those dimensions so that, with so much choice out there, you know, the beer lover can think, I want to go to this place because of this reason. And, and that's really what's so important now in the market is you've got to have a, a reason to be, a raison d'etre. Mm-hmm. Um, and at breweries that don't have that and are just kind of doing the same thing and count on being the local brewer are really going to face a lot of trouble when there's five other local brewers or 10 other local brewers or 50 other local brewers. Yeah. No, I mean, it's this... And, you know, I think a lot of it is creating an experience, you know, and I kind of harp on this a lot in the show is that it it has to be more than just like this has to be an experience. And you have to consider 
what your space is like, how your guest is feeling in your space, um, and little things like that. And this is where I kind of get on my service high horse and, and preach that gospel. But <laughs> I, you know, I think that's incredibly important. You know, experiential drinking is more important in all beverage alcohol than it used to be. I mean, it's mm-hmm. always been part of the story, but I think it's more important now than it ever has been. And you know, for most of these breweries, they're service businesses as much as manufacturing businesses, and so that service component when you're selling half of your beer directly over your bar is going to be just as important as the liquid itself you know and when you look at the data too i mean this is a place i always return to the data but when you look at the data the reason that people go to breweries Mm -hmm. most of them are things that are separate from it being a brewery you know certainly the beer matters but you know the number one two and three reasons they go are they want knowledgeable service Mm -hmm. they want to taste a variety of beers um, and, and, you know, generally they want to have a great experience and, you know, take tours and things like that. So most of the reasons that people go, it's because they know they're going to get high quality beer, they're going to get knowledgeable servers, and they're going to get that variety the ability to do tasters. And if you don't do those things, it doesn't matter how great your beer is. So, yeah. you know, those service components really, when you look at the surveys, are top of the list for, for most important. And I think people are embracing breweries more as like a community space or like a third space, um, you know, where it's not your home, it's not your work, but this is a place for you to be a part of the community. So, you know, you see breweries that have local food trucks or you see breweries that have cornhole or axe throwing or, you know, something to kind of create a a community. And I've noticed more and more like, you know, when you go to breweries now, you look across the crowd, especially on like a busy Saturday or something. You see a lot of different demographics. You see kids, you see families, you see, you know, birthday parties and and things like that. Yeah, and I I think the breweries that are going to be successful going forward are the ones that embrace that and and do Mm -hmm. the best job of welcoming their community broadly. Um, You know, one of the things we talked about in the state of the industry this year is that for craft to continue growing, it needs to broaden those demographics. It needs to bring in new people because there's more and more breweries slicing up the pie. Um, and, And so understanding kind of, how can we grow that for craft within mm-hmm. beer, within beverage alcohol, I think is an important piece. But you're totally right. I mean, breweries have been successful because they've gotten back to what you know breweries used to be when you look back 100, 150 years ago. These community gathering spaces where people can go, where they can you know bring their family writ large, you know, their furry friends in certain places, assuming they're not serving food. Yeah. Um, and, and they can have a beer and, and enjoy the experience. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know if you're allowed to play favorites, but what is a brewery that you've been to recently where you've kind of had that kind of community experience? Well, I certainly do that to to my local breweries. I live Mm -hmm. in a a small town outside of Boulder, Colorado, Louisville. Um, We have four breweries now, maybe four or five. I don't know. There's another one that's getting very close to opening. I'm not sure if they've opened yet. Um, And so, you know, we've got one on Main Street. We're a cute little town with a Main Street, 12 degree brewing. And it's very much, you know, part of the community. It's where people go. The Nuggets, uh, sadly lost in the the NBA playoffs. But, you know, that that was a place to go and watch the Nuggets game and know people would be Mm -hmm. cheering and have a beer. And, you know, the other ones in town, you know, I want to call them out, you know, do that very well, too. You know, Crystal Springs or or Red Garden. And I know your listeners aren't going to know these, but Mm -hmm. I'm sure they have a brewery in their neighborhood that's very similar that, you know, they go, you know, and they all have distinctive aspects, but Mm -hmm. they're all places that you go. I, I expect to bump into somebody I know from Louisville. I expect that I'm going to, you know, know some other people from around town there. And, um, you know, they very much serve that. So I see that. I'm lucky I get to travel. I get to go to breweries all over the place. And one of the things I'm most excited about when I travel is having people who are local to those places show me the breweries that they're excited about. And it feels like there's breweries like that in in every city in America now. And that's that's an exaggeration. I've I've looked at this. Not every city. (laughs) Um, But, you know, most cities now have those breweries, which is great to see. 
For sure. Um, all right, so we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back on Beer Me on Full Service Radio. Up all night with the same thing in my head Just wanting you here next to me It's been a long time, don't you agree? Welcome back to Beer Me on Full Service Radio, broadcasting live from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Sarah Jane. I am joined in studio by Chief Economist of the Brewers Association, Bert Watson. Thank you again for coming in today. Yeah, thanks again for having me. So uh, we talked a little bit about, you know, what your job entails and, you know, kind of what you're seeing now with breweries and and how they need to embrace that experiential aspect of them. Um, So... I'm going to put you on the spot uh, for the next couple of minutes here. <laughs> uh, very recently, there was that big breaking news of Boston Beer Company buying uh, Dogfish Head for $300 million. They announced last Thursday. Uh, what do you think about that? I think it reflects some of the realities in the new craft market. Mm-hmm. You know, if we look at, at growth in the craft market, and you can really break it into two pieces. There's that long tail of small local brewers who have a heavy service component, and by and large, they're doing great. They're yeah. opening, they're selling beer. You know, that model works. It's something that really matches with where we see growth in consumer demand for that experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other part of the market is more broadly distributed. The, you know, regional craft brewers, you know, many of them a little bit older who have built their business model around broad distribution, you know, selling in grocery stores and convenience stores, things like that. And that part of the market is, is crowded. Mm-hmm. It's competitive. It, you can't just open another tap room and see demand grow. There's only so much shelf space. There are only so many tap handles. And those brewers are running against the largest breweries in the world who are yeah. acquiring craft brands, scaling them up, can have an economy of scale that, that's very, very different. And so, you know, we've seen consolidation in that space where, you know, brewers, particularly those who want to remain independent, are increasingly banding together. You know, there's mergers, there's acquisitions. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're seeing more of these brewery groups form and I think we're going to see more of it because it's a tough space. Um, you know, a lot of them have debt they're trying to get out from under. Yeah. And, and so finding smart partners, and, and this isn't the only one. I think it's, you know, probably the most high profile to date. Yeah. Um, you know, Boston Beer is kind of one of the, the founding legends of, of the craft movement. And Dogfish Head is, has built a very, very strong brand for themselves. For sure. Um, and, and both their leaders are charismatic and unique. Um, but, you know, we're seeing the Canarchy group form. We're seeing artisanal uh, brewing ventures, mm-hmm. you know, the book Brooklyn 21A Funk Works. So this is happening in, in different parts of the country. And I think we're going to see more of it just because that's the group of brewers who's the most pressed on all sides right now in the marketplace. Okay. And so, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not very well versed in, in a lot of this as, as far as the markets go. But, you know, if you want to compete with these bigger brands, I mean, you're a little small producer that, you know, doesn't distribute at all. And it's it's not... It's not a, you know, a valid, not valid, but it's not like a hard competitor. Whereas like if you get more of these brands banded together, is it a little more 
Is, would it scare the big guys a little bit more, basically? You know, I don't know about scare the big guys, but it certainly yeah. gives you more tools to compete with them on, on more equal footing. It gives you the ability to go to a distributor, and, and distribution is really important, as I'm sure you've covered on this show, yeah. you know, in, in the beer business, to, to have that influence with your distributors, to, to be a part of their plan and their growth opportunities going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, it gives you various sources of, of innovation pipeline that you can lean into it at different times. Um, that's one reason, too, I think the larger brewers are acquiring is, you know, it's hard to innovate. It's hard to come up with new things. And, you know, combining companies can often bring in new ideas and new brands that you can lean into. Um, so, you know, does this put Boston Beer and Dogfish Head on equal footing with ABI? No, but no. it it gives them some new tools in their toolkit when they're going out into the marketplace where, you know, now Boston Beer has a set of brands via Dogfish Head that are growing very rapidly and are kind of fitting some of these new functional niches we see, things like, you know, Slightly Mighty or Sequench. Yeah. Um, and, you know, on the flip side... Dogfish gets some bigger scale. They're going to have access to distribution networks. Boston Beer is regarded as one of the best, you know, product to market companies in the beer business, and they have great relationships with their distributors. So, um, you know, I think this one made a lot of sense from both sides if you just look at the business aspects of it. Yeah, for sure. Plus, I mean, I would love to be in a meeting with those two guys, like just to see how maybe off topic it gets. Or yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see how those companies merge. You know, right now they're talking about keeping the, the brands fairly separate, yeah, um, and, and letting them run. But you know, certainly, yeah, Sam and Jim are are both legends in the beer business, mm-hmm. but you know, very different personalities. So I'm I'm sure that'll be one of the things they're trying to figure out. Yeah. I'd be interested to see, like, what does a collaboration beer look like between those two guys? Yeah, and we'll we'll probably get to see one pretty soon. That'll that'll be exciting. I'm excited for that one. Um, So aside from being here in D.C. for Saver, you are also here for something that's very, very important, and that is the hill climb. And can you kind of explain that for our listeners, you know, what that is? Sure. One of the most important things that the Brewers Association does is that mm-hmm. we tell the collective story of our members up on Capitol Hill. We do that every day. We have a federal affairs manager who's based here in D.C. Yep. Katie Marisic uh, has been on the show twice. Katie's yep. great and she does a great job. But there's nothing more powerful than having those members tell their stories themselves. Yeah. Um, and so once a year, we try to get brewers from all over the country they fly in and we do a hill climb day on Capitol Hill where we bring them in. We've scheduled the meetings and they go meet with the representatives and senators and tell them about what's going on with their businesses. What are their mm-hmm. priorities? Where are places that, you know, federal regulations or laws or whatever it is could change and, and make their businesses more successful than they already are? And, you know, we find that's an incredibly effective tool to have these business owners directly telling the story in yeah. a way that, you know, we can aggregate the data and we can tell it. But, Hearing it directly from a business owner who's in your district is always going to be more impactful to a congressperson. So it's a great day every day. It's exciting to see the brewers, you know, in, in very different garb than they're normally in. And they're, you know, oh, yeah, they got suit up. Yeah, suits and, you know, you know dr- dress clothes up on the hill. And, mm-hmm. um, and then, you know, go to all of these offices all over the country and tell that great story of small and independent brewers creating jobs. Um, and hopefully then getting some of the things that we're, we're trying to accomplish here in D.C., like permanent excise tax relief. Oh, can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, one of our biggest asks this year is that um, the Craft Beverage Modernization and Tax Reform Act is, mm-hmm. is currently in law, uh, yeah. but only for two years. It has a sunset in 2019. So brewers pay an additional tax above and beyond all the other taxes any business would pay, an excise tax on their production. Um, many of them pay it at the state level as well. well all of them pay it at the state level as well. Mm-hmm. And um, some of them even pay it at the local level. Um, we're yes. working on the federal one, mm-hmm. and that's been reduced for two years. But if nothing changes at the end of 2019, it's going to go back up, and it's going to double for 99% of the breweries in the country. For about 2,000 breweries, it's going to be a new tax that they've never paid Ooh. since they've never operated under this regime. So 
that's our top priority is to try to get that extended and make sure that brewers can see that excise tax relief and keep reinvesting that money in their businesses. And just so like somebody knows what that looks like, like what does, what, like how much can that, can that be for somebody? So right now brewers at the federal level pay three fifty a barrel. Mm-hmm. Um, it would go back up to $7 a barrel. So, you know, for a small local brewery, this can be a few thousand dollars, you know, a 10,000 barrel brewery, we're talking $30,000, you know, for a hundred thousand barrel brewery, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. Um, and it makes a difference. It allows them to make that capital investment. Uh, maybe allows them to hire. We've surveyed our members on this and, mm-hmm. and capital infrastructure is the number one thing they're investing in, but hiring new people is, is two. Um, we're seeing a lot of brewers take that money and invest in new tasting rooms yeah. um, and building those out and maybe hiring staff associated with that. So it's, you know, it's one big part of a, a, a complex story, but it's certainly important to our members and collectively small brewers save about $80 million a year under this bill. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we're talking about, we're talking about real money when yeah. you add it all up. <laughs> real, real actual money. Um, what are some other, like, is there maybe smaller issues that they've been, you know, dealing with? Yeah, there's always things that, that we want to, you know, collectively remind the lawmakers. One about is TTB funding. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Tax and Trade Bureau is the government body that regulates uh, small brewers. And we think it's really important that they have full funding. Um, one of the other things we're talking about is trying to build in a more permanent source of funding if there are government shutdowns so that we don't see the process of label approvals and things like that grind to a halt the next time there's a government shutdown. Um, we're doing a lot more ag lobbying. You know, mm-hmm. The supply chain is incredibly important to brewers. And you know, with things like climate change, investing in research um, and grants in, in the supply chain is becoming more important. So you know, we have some, some asks about public hop breeding, which we're also funding, but, but having the government fund as well is very, very important. So um, the issues change year to year, but yeah. generally excise taxes are almost always there. You know, regulatory issues are, are there. And increasingly, we're seeing a lot of ag issues rise to the surface as, as kind of key talking points. And in the past, you know, you guys have done this hill climb before. Has it, you know, has it made a difference? Oh, certainly. Um, yeah. You know, I think the that we've been doing this for, you know, a decade now. Mm-hmm. And you can, you can see the difference. A, now the Congress people and their staff, they know who these brewers are. You know, many of them they've met before. They've started to develop those relationships. And, you know, they see them as a part of their communities, you know, their districts back home creating jobs. Um, the fact that we got the excise tax relief even for two years is certainly a testament to the effectiveness of these hill climbs and, and that collective story we've been telling. Um, we've gotten TTB funding raised in the past. We've seen research for, for hop breeding. So um, these things are effective. There's a lot of things that lawmakers have to do. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's not easy to be a congressperson. Um, and I think we play a vital role in helping them see the little things that they could do to, to help a, a business in a very real way. Yeah, for sure. That's amazing. That's that's really awesome that you guys are able to do that and especially get, you know, getting all these brewers to take time away from their businesses. And I mean, that's a huge commitment on their part as well. You know, flying out from, you know, Portland, you know, some of these guys are coming from far away. I imagine. I mean, we've got, you know, we've got brewers in from Hawaii. So, um, oh, wow. yeah, we, you know, generally we get all 50 states represented. I think we only have 49 this year. Someone had to drop out. But okay. um, yeah, it's a huge commitment. I think it shows how important it is to them as well. The brewers recognize that, that these things matter. Yeah. Um, and we as an association couldn't do almost anything without the support of our members. So getting them to participate is, is awesome to see. It allows us to do as staff what we do. And um, it's always great to see so many of the brewers, you know, they'll be bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, t- you know, tomorrow morning at 7 a.m., getting their briefings, getting their packets, and, and getting ready to storm that hill and, and tell the great story of small and independent beer. Wow, that is very powerful. That's awesome. Yeah. Congratulations. It's a great, it's a great day. Thanks. Yeah. 
Well, thank you again for coming on the show. I'm imagining you're going to explore some DC beer scene a little bit. Have you have you dabbled at all yet? Uh, not so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been, you know, doing prep work and had some other meetings yesterday. But yeah, definitely excited to check some things out. I've never been to the Silver Spring area, so I was thinking about go uh, to Silver doing Branch. That. Yeah, there's a, there's a yeah. nice little collection of breweries there. So um, I'm excited to be here. And then you know, we'll obviously get to taste lots of beers, both from DC and and further away at Saver on Friday. So it's going to be a good week. Very cool. Well, thank you again. I really appreciate it. Um, if anyone has any questions about, you know, everything that the Brewers Association does, you know, check out the website. It's a huge wealth of information, but also, I mean, there's so much information on that site as far as educational, uh, information and it's, it's pretty endless, even if you're not a member. So yeah, a lot, a lot of free stats on the, the Brewers Association site and also give a shout out to our consumer facing site, Mm craftbeer.com, which, you know, kind of sells, tells that member story toward the consumer a little bit more personably yeah for sure uh well thank you again if you have any questions comments concerns feel free to reach me at uh beer me radio on instagram or beer me radio at gmail.com otherwise we will see you next week thank you cheers Stop.